Last week, uh, Norm introduced an old idea in a new series called What's Important, uh, using Mark 12. And it's an idea and a theology that's found in the very heart of God, and it's easy enough to say and to understand, but if it's actually followed and walked out, it can actually take a lifetime to do and grow in. When Jesus was asked by one of the people in the crowd, he said, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? What is the most important thing that God has asked us to do? Jesus' answer was simple. He said, Love God and love your neighbor. And they had this exchange back and forth that Norm preached on last week. But Jesus also gave us another commandment. It wasn't only to love God and to love your neighbor, but it was also that those of us who follow Jesus, his disciples, would love one another together as brothers and sisters in community in the same way that Jesus loved us. And in those three spheres of life that are, I guess, the context, they're the, it's the physical space, the practical place in our day-to-day life that Jesus is meant to be actually seen, worshipped, and followed. And as Norm mentioned, it's not about following a list of do's and don'ts or a set of, of rules and regulations. That's, that's simply religion and can tilt into legalism. And while it's, it's absolutely important to do what God's asked us to do, he said, I'll know you love me if you do what I've asked you to do. It's, it's one of the ways we actually express our love for him But what's even more important is how we love and pursue the relationship, the friendship, the partnership with God that has been made possible for us through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, that relationship isn't even possible. So loving God is this upward call, this this context of how we pursue relationship with God. The Father, with the Son Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. Loving one another is this inward call, this inward context of how we pursue Jesus Christ together as brothers and sisters in the faith. And then loving our neighbor is this outward call, this outward context of how we actually bring the love that we have for Jesus that he's given to us and grown us in as individuals together, as his body, and we send that out into the world around us in a variety of ways. And as we kick off the next few weeks of our prayer and fasting for 2020, these three uh, spheres of life are the framework that we will actually be using uh, as we seek the heart of the Father together. Up, in, and out. It's kind of catchy, isn't it? Norm came up with it, not me. (laughs) So as, as we kick off, um, probably during this time, it's actually about you and I asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, well, how am I doing in these three areas? Is, is there an imbalance somewhere? Is, is it balanced? Is, um, or have, is there something I need to change? Is there something I need to pursue or value differently? Or growing, or maybe it's one or all three of these particular spheres. Jesus, how, how would you have me step out in faith to meet you in this, this year, in 2020? But this pursuit isn't just individual, it's corporate for us together, across Gateway, Church, and here 
And as individual congregations, our Panic congregation, our South Osborne congregation. Um, this coming Wednesday, as Kevin mentioned, we'll be joining together for a corporate gateway-wide prayer summit where we're going to actually hear about some of the things that together as Gateway Church we'll be praying into over this next year. But today I've actually been tasked to go over the things right here at South Osborne that we feel God's laid on our hearts to pray into over this next year so that you kind of understand a bit more of the heart, a bit more of the context, rather than just what's on a sheet of paper. I want to unpack them a little bit for us. Uh, in a little while, I'm going to pass out, not right now, but in a little while, I'm going to pass out these little bookmark-style cards um, that we've created with all these goals on it so that you can um, rehearse, remember, pray alongside. Um, but first, I was asked today um, to unpack one of the many key truths that Jesus gave to us about how we can pray with faith and how we can pray with power. See, successful and effective prayers begin with that first sphere of life. It starts there. Loving God, our upward focus, this vital connection that we're meant to have with him. Actually placing him first in our lives above everything else. And so that's why we're going to start with John chapter 15 this morning. You're already there. Uh, And we're going to read it together. John chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 1 to verse 12. I'm the vine, Jesus said, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll be able to abide. You will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I have a confession to make before you all today. I am a killer. Don't worry. (laughs) Cricket, cricket. Don't worry, I don't pose any danger to you. You don't need to call the, call the police. I'm, I'm fine with humans and animals, but you might need to call the Department of Agriculture. Uh, but you don't need to call the police. I am a killer of plants. I'm a killer of plants. Do not give me a potted plant to care for. It will die. Do not give me a garden to care for. It will die. If you want to start your grass over fresh in your yard, well, call me over, and I can do something about that. I'm well-intentioned. You know, I, I will either overwater or underwater. 
Uh, you will either have exploding tomatoes because they have so much water in them, or they will be brown and withering and drying and, and withering away on, on the vine. Um, you, well, I should say it this way. I don't think of myself so much as having a gray thumb. Um, I'm more of a, like a plant hospice worker, um, easing the transition so they can go and be with Jesus. You know, like, it's a little bit more of who I, who I am. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've kind of resigned myself to this life of self-imposed exile um, for the safety of anything requiring a green thumb. Uh, just about the only plant that I'm able to care for is a cactus. Um, but even then, I can't resist the urge to water it. Um, and Wilma and I have uh, an, an agreement together. Uh, she's probably going to wonder, oh, is this an agreement we have? Oh, she's touching her ear this way. Stay away from the plants. Right. You know, I can mow the lawn, I can rake the lawn by myself, uh, I can help pick the weeds, till the soil under supervision, um, but don't touch the plants, right? Um, you know, you might not be able to let me um, anywhere near a vineyard or grapevines or things like that, but Jesus is another story. He said, I am the true vine. You see, when I touch Jesus, the vine, I get connected. The sentence of of death that I carry spiritually, but in one sense literally in these hands and in my body, that curse of death gets swallowed up. Gets swallowed up and it disappears. We were singing about it this morning. Grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting, right? In fact, Jesus defeated death itself. It holds no power over him. And he's alive now, and he's alive forever. And anyone who believes in him can discover the life and joy that comes from abiding in him, being vitally connected to him, abiding in the vine. His life and power, they start flowing through you and I, And we start growing, we start bearing fruit instead of withering away into the mud and into the dust. And Jesus said that our Heavenly Father is the vine dresser, the one who looks after us, the one who makes sure to prune us, sometimes hurts, lifts us up off the ground in ways that will help multiply and help us remain healthy and bear the fruit that we were designed to bear. But it is our job to abide. That's the command in this chapter. To remain connected to the vine. Abide in the vine. What does abide mean? Well, it means to dwell with, to make one's home with, to obey, to honor, to follow, in the sense of um, we will abide by your decision. Let's let that sink in for a moment. Or to be hidden inside. Abiding is is trusting, it's believing, it's enjoying, it's resting, it's receiving. If a branch remains or abides attached to the vine in such a way that it's receiving all all of the goodness that that branch has to give, that's the true picture of what John means at the very beginning of his book about believing and trusting in Jesus. John says in John chapter 1, verse 12, it's not going to come up on the screen, it says, 
to all who did receive him, who received him, who believed in his name, got connected to him, have the right to be called the children of God. Wow. Why would we abide in him? Because of his intense love for us. A love that he actually proved on the cross for us. Jesus says, abide, live in my love. The Holy Spirit will help us. But it's our job, it's our responsibility to stay connected and in relationship with Jesus instead of pulling away to do our own thing and to try and get things done on our own. See, once we get disconnected, we, we lose our source of true life. We, we disconnect from the love. And sure, as many of you know, we can do things on our own, can't we? That's the scary part. We can do an awful lot of stuff all on our own when we're disconnected from Jesus. But it's not meant to be that way. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing in verse 5. That means that we can't do anything of lasting and eternal value without staying connected to Jesus. That's the kind of fruit I want to bear in my life. Eternal lasting fruit that remains. I don't know about you, but when I touch things, I don't want them to die. I don't, that's not my heart's desire. I want life and joy to come to those things. And Jesus told us that these things, because he, he wanted the same joy that he has to flow through us by staying connected to him. I don't want things to wither when I touch them without the power of Christ flowing through me. You get that? Do you hear that? When I touch people, when I'm in people's lives, I want his life flowing through me so that when I touch people, that life can flow through to them. I want people to feel that same eternal love that I've experienced coming from Jesus flowing to them and seeing the lights turn on, seeing the connections happen for them too. And let's relate this a bit to prayer because that's a bit of our focus this morning and this week. It's right here in verse 7. When I pray connected to Jesus... When I pray, I do so because Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's lots we could unpack there. But there's a prayer relationship there. I don't always understand the Lord's timing of how he answers or the way that he answers prayer. But the power of God is released through you and I as we stay connected to Jesus. As we pray, eternally valuable things are accomplished when we partner with him and stay close to his heart. Abiding actually informs our asking. It orients us on what are the things I should be asking? What direction should I be going in? Jesus, I've got your heart so I know how I can partner with you in prayer. See, John 15 is a rich passage. There's so much more in this that we could unpack and talk about in a series. But I want to highlight two simple truths from this passage for our prayer goals as we head into those in 2020. And the first is this. Remaining in the vine is a daily choice. It's a daily choice, day to day. 
is true. Once once we trust and believe Jesus as our personal Savior, as our Lord, and we receive that salvation and eternal life, he will never let us go. John 10, 28 and 29 actually says, Jesus promises that no one can ever snatch you out of my Father's hand. However, each day we need to make a decision when we wake up each morning. When I roll out of bed, will I do this day in my own strength? Or will I abide in the vine? Will I stay connected to Jesus and allow the spirit of Jesus to course through me and empower me today? We've each got that decision to make every morning. And you want to know how as the secret to telling which choice you're regularly making, which decision you're making? Well, if you're working from your own strength, the natural result is you will be tired and exhausted all the time. That's just the way it works. You'll be tired. You'll be exhausted on multiple levels. If you are listening and obeying what Jesus tells you and inviting his spirit to fill you, you may get tired from time to time. We're only human, right? That's part of our human condition. We, we wear out some days. But you will have life. You will have strength. You will have joy in the midst of the circumstances that you're walking through. A current plugged in, connected to the vine, a source of life flowing into you that actually empowers you to continue walking out the life that you've been given. So remaining in that vine is your choice. It's Jesus' command to us, abide. And the second thing is, abiding in Christ is actually meant to be our default position in prayer. It's the place we actually pray from. When you're vitally connected to Jesus, your prayers change. Not only what you pray, but how you pray. If you're not connected to Jesus, well then you're not going to know him. You're not going to know his character or his heart for you or for other people. His heart is for you. He desires to help you, to teach you, to love you, to guide you into all things that will do you good and will bring glory to his heavenly Father. Those are promises he's made. And if you believe that, it changes how you pray. It changes the expectations you have when you pray. Heaven's armies know King Jesus intimately. And they actually place their full confidence in him. You know, I've, I've never been, I was never raised on the streets. I was never in gangs. You can probably deduce that by looking at me. <laughs> but I remember, <laughs> I remember remarking about how this, this particular perspective changed how I see Jesus. A former hardcore member of a gang who was kind of redeemed out of that lifestyle in East L.A. was reading the book of Revelation in his devotional life one day. And he came across this passage in Revelation chapter 20 that talks about King Jesus. talks about this horse and this rider that would lead heaven's armies into the, into the battle at the last days. And one of the verses that uh, would pass over, that I'd normally pass over without giving it a second thought, was verse 14. It says this, it won't come up there, but, And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. 
I wish I could find a little bit better picture than this. It's a little, I don't know, that's what I found. Um, Why did this catch this gang member's attention? Well, he said that the gangs that were the most confident about their power and ability wore white to a street fight. And for those of you who have never touched this kind of stuff before, you're going, well, what does that mean? Here, I'll tell you why. Because they wanted to communicate that they were confident in the outcome of that fight. They believed that they were going to be so dominant that they weren't even going to get any blood on their clothes. That's why they wore white. That's confidence. That's moxie. Right? In Revelation, not only are heaven's armies wearing white, they're riding white horses. On that awesome and ferocious day, they know the outcome of the battle already. They know that it belongs to King Jesus as he leads them into battle. That's confidence and trust manifested. When you pray, what is your default position? Who are you following? Jesus, the victorious king, is the vine. Who are you connected to? Who do you see when you pray? Are you alone and disconnected, just kind of hoping someone hears your prayers? Is is your prayer from a position of maybe resting in Jesus and his love? Or maybe struggling in a way that just shows and proves to you, no, I'm actually disconnected from that source. Is your praying, praying from a position of faith and belief, or is it skepticism and doubt? We go through seasons of all sorts of things in our prayer lives. But prayer is about relationship. It's about two-way communication between us and the Lord. We have to stay connected for life to flow and that relationship to actually grow, even when we don't feel like anything is happening. We pursue him. We stay connected. Even though I can't see it right now, Lord, I believe I'm keeping on reaching out for you. I want to stay connected to you. My encouragement to all of us as we begin our season of prayer and fasting is remember to make that daily choice to abide. Abide in the vine. So you and your prayers are empowered by the Spirit of God to bear fruit. Right? And remember that Jesus is the vine. He's the king you know, it's, it's a little bit like the confidence that a little lion cub has. And as they watch the hyenas and they growl at them and they see them scatter, right? Not fully realizing that there's this powerful lion standing right behind them, right? The, the cub just growls, right? From this place of arrest and sometimes totally complete ignorance and, and bliss, not really knowing what the dangers are that are, that are out there uh, and what they're actually protected by, um, But isn't that a wonderful place to be able to be? That's our king. It's the place that we actually battle from. Do you get that? That's our position. That's where we are. With those images and those thoughts in mind, I'd like to share with you our 2020 goals for here at South Osborne. So if our ushers can just start handing out those little prayer cards. Uh, You'll be able to follow along up here on the screen even if you don't have one in your hand yet. As you start reading this, 
There are a multitude of things that we could have put down on this card. However, back in fall uh, and in late November, we began to pray about the specific things or the areas that we should begin to focus on in prayer in this new year. Um, They're not the only important things that we're supposed to be praying into. There's probably other things, but these are the areas we felt the Lord draw to our attention as areas that we wanted to specifically put energy and effort into partnering with Jesus as a congregation on. Um, As you start to look at it, you'll see that it's organized by the direction of relationship that we have in those three areas I was talking about. Up, in, and out. Loving God, loving one another, and loving your neighbor. Uh, So for today, you're looking on the side that just says Gateway Prayer Goals for South Osborne. Again, on Wednesday, we'll be unpacking the ones that are on the other side for us as a, as a whole church. Now this first goal, under loving God, I'll just read it for you. As a house of prayer, growing in our capacity to worship personally and corporately. At first, some of you who've been around here at the South for a few years, might, this might feel like a repeat. And I suppose in a way it is. But pay attention to the wording. For a number of years, we've had the goal of becoming a house of prayer. Not that we've arrived somehow, but we felt released by the Lord to actually express the distance that we've traveled with Jesus on the journey and that we have actually are, in fact, a house of prayer. That's the shift I want you to see in this prayer goal. We've shifted now into growing in our capacity as a house of prayer. The capacity that we feel like the Lord wants us to explore with him isn't just growing in our own personal devotion to him and worship, but our ability to gather and to do this together beyond you know, just a few hours on a Sunday morning or even in just a prayer summit once a month. It doesn't mean that you're going to need to gear up for a whole slew of new meetings. Um, It means we recognize the power that is released in a different way when we worship together and listen to God together and seek him together instead of just doing it alone in our own prayer closet. We believe that the Lord wants us to seek (coughs) seek him for ways and strategies to actually strengthen that corporate capacity together. So that could be in your cell group, your small group. Uh, It could be in the small meetings that you might have. It might mean on a prayer summit. It might mean something totally different or new initiatives that the Lord actually gives to us in this new year. But that's kind of the, the, the heart behind that goal. And the second thing that's under that first heading of loving God is continuing to walk down the gateway path, launching Gateway 200, Now, you might be thinking here, sitting here today, after Kevin just announced Gateway 200, hey, we've accomplished one of our goals already. Well, that's one aspect of this. Um, The previous goal actually flows into this one. Growing in our capacity to worship actually includes discipleship. How are we actually growing in our relationship with Jesus and encouraging and sharing that with other people? (coughs) Sorry for my coffee this morning. I've been struggling with it for about five weeks. Um, This discipleship, this growth actually happens not only individually, but together, in community. 
And for the last while, we've talked about this gateway path, this one of our kind of best discipleship paths or resources across gateway. Um, there's just a series of retreats and courses that we've uh, pulled together and invested time and energy into developing uh, so that you can grow personally for, in your love for Jesus, but also help to train you to go and do that with the one anothering and with the loving your neighboring. <laughs> is, that, is that a word, neighboring? I don't know. Um, but this fall, coming this fall, we're trusting also that the Lord's going to perhaps help us to get Gateway 300 off the ground. But 200 right now is the one that we're focusing on and trying to just establish and get into a rhythm about spiritual maturity, essentially how we love God, but also how we love one another. And then later, Gateway 300 is going to talk about uh, ministry and mission, the outward focus of things, not only loving one another, but loving our neighbor as well. Every element of that path is meant to strengthen you personally, but it has the added bonus and the effect of increasing and raising the water level of our entire congregation as everybody follows Jesus together and we're individually strengthened. It's just what happens, and I've seen it happen here. It's changed the conversations that I have with you pastorally when we connect together. I can see it happening. Because God's speaking to you. He's moving in your life. You're walking differently. You're, you're speaking differently. You're praying differently. You can see it happening. It's wonderful. So that's loving God. Then loving one another. I'm going to group these two just together. So we're building strong families and relationships by intentionally spending time together. Intentionally is a good word there. And growing in our capacity to minister to one another in ways that bring healing and wholeness. The Lord gave us a number of words and kind of pictures that suggested that the Lord wanted us to prayerfully explore how we're doing at loving one another here at South Osborne. With our busy lives, it can be difficult to build relationships. It just is. And nobody's kind of excluded from this, these prayer goals. The busier we get, the more isolated we tend to get from relationships that will actually bring us health uh, and support and strength. Um, in this, we're not dictating or even suggesting what that needs to look like at this point. It doesn't necessarily even mean spending more time right here at church. We felt like the Lord wanted us to begin praying into this personally and corporately to see what God would actually show us over this next year. Meaning, this is what we were feeling the Lord wanted us to pray into, but we don't have a concrete thing that the Lord's given us to shoot for. We just feel like this is the prayer goal. Um, we've got small groups that happen during the week, um, and we've got that provide opportunity for connection and support and ministry to one another. Uh, we, but in our larger gatherings, we've also got our Sunday mornings and our Sunday potlucks that we're so grateful to have to bring connection. But we feel like the Lord wants us to intentionally, intentionally strengthen. That means a bit of planning, a bit of forethought, a bit of thinking about this and thinking this through, about the connections that we have with one another. Maybe there's people that the Lord's placed on your heart over the last number of months. Oh, I'd really like to have them over for coffee, or I'd really like to connect with them for supper, or those kinds of things that we just tend to go, oh, and then the rush of our schedule takes over and it comes back to us six months from now. Maybe there's something in that. Maybe the Lord actually wants to just set a date. Call them. Work something out. So we're going to prayerfully explore that together. 
And then the last section is loving our neighbor. I'll take these as two different uh, points. The first one, prayerfully considering ways that we can love people who believe the church doesn't love them. All I want to say this morning about this particular goal is we all know people who have been offended or hurt by the church in the past, um, by those who have maybe um, been misguided in the way that they treated other people in the name of Jesus. Um, they're in our families, they're our co-workers, they could be people in our society from different cultures and beliefs and orientations and people groups. It could be those that are, are, have been hurt by the church or perhaps Perhaps on the other side, they've, even, they've judged the church in ignorance. They actually don't know what's really here on a Sunday morning and the love that's here, assuming that we don't like them somehow without actually checking out things for themselves. There's these barriers that are up all over the place. And for whatever the reason, the Holy Spirit has challenged us to not only consider the things that we might need to change or do personally to love people better, but also as a congregation. How can we be ambassadors, reconcilers, and those who love people even when it might get a little messy or outside of our comfort zones? There are people who, they've got no problem at all with Jesus, but they've got issues with the church. And it feels like this is just the start of something. So we want to begin prayerfully asking the Lord what our place is in the puzzle of this right here in our city, in this area of life. I hope that makes sense. You can gladly ask me questions later. The last one is asking the Lord to provide us a team specifically to strategize and reach our neighborhood. And like that very first prayer goal, this last one might seem like a repeat to those of you who've been around for a while. And in a way, again, it is, but with one major difference. Again, you need to pay attention to the wording of this goal. For a number of years, we've asked the Lord to show us the ways that we can impact our city and the community around us and our neighbors. The Lord's opened up doors for us in the city. Um, we've been able to have our EAL classes established. We've had our partnership with the child wel welfare sphere, uh, doing adoption parties and celebrations that, that help uh, kids in foster care who are aging out uh, to celebrate and to help send them off. Uh, we've renovated some CFS visitation rooms. Uh, and Care Portal, uh, just this past year, the kickoff for that is just the latest initiative or the thing that we have the capacity to advance in our city. However, we still feel like the Lord has a work for us to do right here in South Osborne. And the difference I want you to see in this goal is we're not so much praying about what we should be doing at South Osborne. We're praying for the who. We're praying for the who's. We're praying for the team. The team of people that desire to minister to our local community right here to support them, and to bring focus to this particular area. And I think a, a bit of a taste of what that means um, was seen actually through our carols by candlelight just this past Christmas, right? Connecting out into the community, 
Various people who might not have a massive heart for Lord Roberts, Riverview, Silas Osborne, but a handful of people who maybe do. And getting some momentum and support behind that and being able to reach out and see 185 people here and most of them never having walked into this church before. A huge portion of them. So hopefully, these are just broad brushstrokes that help you on this initial Sunday as we kick off into our prayer and fasting to give you a bit more context than just what's written on this card. Um, So that as we gather together to pray on Wednesday, as we gather together for our men and our women and our cell groups, and as we celebrate at the end of our prayer and fasting time, this is the way the arrows are starting to point. This is the thrust. These are the things that we're starting to intentionally pray into. So hopefully that helps you. And these are all goals um, that require us to abide in Jesus together. None of them can be accomplished without his help and without his power at work within us. These are all goals that require us to hear, to listen, to ask and seek the Lord together for the answers. There's a partnership, not only horizontally together, but vertically together. And we need to work together to find the mind of Christ and to hear him as he guides us. We'll find that. I know we will. So as you and I stay connected to Jesus this year, as we abide in the vine, he's going to work with his Father and through the Holy Spirit to make us fruitful. Amen? He's going to do that. And at the end of the day, we want to see Jesus producing lasting, eternal fruit through each one of us that remains for his glory, not only today, but has lasting value long after we're gone and affects other people to begin with.